Hi, welcome to another edition of the Learn Be Live podcast, bringing you all the future insights on learning and development, whilst interviewing thought leaders at the forefront of the L&D sector. This podcast will help you solve some of the biggest people teams challenges and answer what keeps you up at night. Hit that follow button now to stay up to date. Share the episodes across your socials and spread the word to your wider networks who can benefit from these golden nuggets. Today we're welcoming our guest panel, Lauren Gomez, Ronan Mendelovitz and Henrik Malmquist alongside our host, Marie Krebs, so you can hear directly from fellow people leaders on how to lay the foundations for your people to perform at their best. Stay tuned for actionable tips and real life examples along the way. As always, we would love to hear what you think after the episode by joining the conversation using the hashtag LearnablyLive. Enjoy! Hello everyone, we are live! Welcome to the Learnably Live session about performance in focus. We've got three expert panelists today who are going to introduce themselves as soon as I'm done talking because I'm sure they will do a much better job than I ever could. We're going to talk about all things performance. How do you define it? How do you measure it? How often? And um, we'll hear from different perspectives so that everyone can take away with actionable insights that are specific to their needs. I hope that sounds good. I mean, you signed up for it. So let's get started. Um, just before I pass over to our panelists to introduce themselves, uh, I'm Marie, just still on a roll. I work at a company called Learnably, who is your humble host today. And uh, Learnably is a performance enablement management marketplace that makes companies more productive and innovative by putting learners in the driving seat so that they can upskill on what they need to upskill and to perform. Uh, if you think of any marketplace, Etsy, eBay, etc., we're that, but for learning resources. Whatever you need, uh, we've got the right resource at the right time, which means no wasted budget, no one-size-fits-all shenanigans, uh, but enough about me. I will now pass over to Ronan. Ronan, who are you and what are you doing here? <laughs> thank you very, <laughs> thank you very much, Marie. Uh, if I wouldn't know what I'm doing here, that's uh, that might be a problem. Uh, so uh, it's a pleasure to uh, to meet you all, uh, Marie, Laurel, uh, Henrik. It's a pleasure for me to be in this webinar. Uh, I'm Ronan. I'm the Learning and Development Manager at WeTransfer. As I see it, I'm responsible for the professional and personal development of our employees. Um, I run the uh, culture of learning, uh, strategy of learning. Uh, it can be also micro, but it can also be micro one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, very exciting uh, role, very exciting company. Uh, next to it, I'm also a father of three kids, uh, which <laughs> from them I can learn quite a lot. Uh, and reflect and they improve my uh, leadership skills every day so it's a pleasure to be here uh, with all of you nice pass it on you pick the next panelist who's going to then i will those. yeah i will pick uh henrik thank you ronan and thank you marie for inviting me so i'm henrik head of people at tales.com and for those who are not familiar with tales.com um uh, we're helping people give their dogs and cats actually, uh, personalized nutrition to support long, happy, healthy lives. That sounds wonderful, doesn't it? Uh, the company started in 2014 and it's, it's, it's basically combining technology, manufacturing innovation and data science to deliver individual recipes to dogs and their owners. So if you have a dog, they have a skin condition or they have an allergy or they're just growing and aging like any dog, then the, the food will follow that uh, as they grow in their lives. Um, super interesting company. Uh, we've also got a brand called uh, Republic of Cats, hence it's no longer just about dogs. Um, I enjoyed them in 2017 as the first one in the people team uh, and we've now grown quite a lot and we're shipping into nine different markets and we're also selling in uh, Sainsbury's and Ocado's. Um, so, Previously to that, I worked for an activewear brand called Fabletics, and before that, I had a slightly more corporate career within IKEA. So that's about it. <laughs> nice. Thank you so much for your intro. The only one left is you, Lauren. Who are you, and why are you doing here? 
I don't know how I'm going to follow that. That, was, that sounds way more exciting than what we do. <laughs> um, I am Lauren Gomez. I am the head of PX at Learnably. I've been here for just coming up to 18 months, um, which is awesome. And before that, I've worked at ASOS and Booking.com. I did a teeny tiny stint in a bank, um, which was my rogue choice of my career. Um, and then I was just recently at a company called iTech Media. Um, what am I doing? It's like we have spent the past sort of nine months at Learnably really building out our career framework, how we approach performance, and we are right in the eye of the storm, as I call it, um, right in the midst of launch phase, which is super exciting. And we recently have shared literally every single thing that we've built. So also quite exciting to talk to other people about what they're doing and what they're going to be um, focusing on on their side. So thanks for joining everyone. Super excited. Okay, nice. Thank you so much. Um, Murray, I can see that uh, that maybe I, I forgot to mention what we do at WeTransfer. Maybe uh, because yeah, I'm at go the for office it. and I, Tell us. <laughs> I sometimes think, okay, many people know what we do, but indeed uh, it's important also to mention it. So WeTransfer is a company created by creatives for creatives. Our uh, goal and vision is to drive creativity around the world. And we, uh, since 2009, we have uh, the main transfer service, as you know, but we grew up to, to a suite of services to uh, serve uh, creatives all around. And well, I'm just sitting here um, in a small library room and you know, we, we are very proud of the job we do and the design we do. Um, because we want to make beautiful products that make sense. So thank nice, you for that. Nice. <laughs> oh, of course. It's reflected in your library itself, even, because it's color-coded. I'm loving that. Um, I was going to say, there's a word that I've picked up on that you've all mentioned. It's the word performance. And so I'd like to start with a high-level understanding, like before we dig into the details, how do you define performance? Like, what is it and why does it matter to drive business performance? Um, Ronan, you were the first to introduce yourself. So I'll go with you first. Yeah, so, um, well, performance and high performance is, uh, it sounds quite daunting, right? High performance. At the end of the day, it's not a car. We speak about people. And high performance can be defined in multiple ways. And as a L&D person, um, I went into the business and I also interviewed in, uh, towards this webinar a few leaders across the business for marketing and sales, communications and engineering to hear from them what they have to say about it because we are not the guru of high performance. We facilitate it. That's how I see it. So uh, a very interesting uh, saying that I've heard was high performance comes to a place when the individual levels and the corporate levels interact well. So it's all about the individual. How do I feel? How do I perform? How do I act? And then if I'm happy with that and I can serve the corporate needs and the vision of the company and we meet in the middle, that's where the uh, magic happens. Nice, thank you for sharing. And how about you, Henrik? How would you define performance and why does it matter? Yeah, it's a, it's a, dream. It's a simple but quite difficult question because you can see it from so many different angles. Uh, with a few things that I thought of um, when hearing that word. Um, first one being customer impact. I think if you if you are a high-performing team member or high-performing organization, it needs to come down to the customer in the end. And the customer can look very different depending on what you, what business you're in. So no matter if it's a dog owner or a business owner or whoever it is, but you want the, the work that you're doing in the company to really impact the end consumer. Because uh, otherwise you can work on all fantastic things, but if it's not having a positive impact in the end, for the for the consumer that is paying for the product, then it's probably you're probably not working on the right stuff. Um, and that line might be quite straightforward if you're a customer 
facing role, but if it's, it might be a little bit more blurry, especially for us in the people team where you're perhaps not working directly with the customer. So it's important to understand what could my contribution to the end customer be, even though it might be a little bit, a few turns before you get there. Um, and the other thing I thought of was uh, outcome focused. So it needs to be clear on what you're trying to achieve and working hard and long hours uh, is perhaps not always translating into great results. So um, focus on what, what should the main difference be once you've done this thing that you're trying to do. Uh, um, and you can also look at it from a strategic and operational perspective. So are you doing lots of things like doing, uh, are you fast at acting on things? Uh, but perhaps don't prioritize the more strategic stuff. Um, and depending on what role you're in, it might be great that you're acting fast, but it might also mean that you're not thinking so much about the long-term future. And the last thing that I thought of was how you're doing it. Uh, it's not just about the what, it's also about making sure that you're doing it in line with the, with the company's values. So, so if you hit all your targets, you're smashing it, you're delivering all the best results, but you're pissing off your colleagues, that's probably not what I would call uh, high performance. Uh, that's probably a little bit too much. So. Uh, nice one, Henrik. I've got just one more question for you because I know the answer already and I think it's great. Um, you've mentioned like linking your impact, even if you're more um, back-end facing to the impact it has on the customer. Could you tell us what is the mission statement of your people team Ah, yes, because you've heard this before, so you yeah, know this. Yeah, because it, <laughs> it links to the business impact, and I love that. Yes, so the mission statement that we came up with at Taste.com to make sure that it's there's a really clear line between what we're trying to achieve and how we get there is we're doing the best work of our lives. Um, and in order for us to do the best work of our lives, we need to be really clear on our objectives, and we need to be really clear on what we're trying to achieve and how can we get there. And underneath that, we've also got a, what we call the North Star, which is basically, how do we know whether we get there and what are we trying to achieve with that? Uh, and in a, in a subscription business, normally talk about um, um, customer lifetime value. So how much value can a customer bring during all those years that they're a subscriber with your, with your product? Um, you can also flip that around and look at it from an employee perspective. So how much value can a team member bring during the years that you're, they're staying with your, custom, uh, with, with your company? So that's a really interesting lens to look at to see how can, how can you try to quantify, at least in your head, uh, what, what it means with high performance. Mm, nice, thanks. And we'll get into the detail of that in a minute. But for now, you've said, if I heard you correctly, High performance is what you do, and it's also how you do it. Lauren, does that ring a bell? Oh, it does ring a bell. <laughs> Couldn't have said it better myself. Um, it's. I'm really glad you brought that up because when we talk about how we measure performance, I'm really keen to dig into that a little bit. But I think when we think about defining performance, and I'm glad we started here because for anyone in the audience that is thinking about this topic for the first time, it is so important to be able to actually define the word performance because it even even before I've started talking, we've got two different perspectives already on what that word really means. Um, and you need to figure out what it means for your company first um, before you embark on this never ending journey, which is high performance. Um, for me and the way we talk about performance at Learnably, um, we try to stick to a one-liner and the one-liner we use is performance is to what extent are we meeting the expectations of our current role that is a catch-all it doesn't matter if you're a creative it doesn't matter if you're an engineer it's your role and is the what to what extent you're meeting the expectations of it there is so much that could be covered by that, but that's where we start. And you could break that down. You could talk about what high performance culture is, for example, you can get into the nuances, but we start with a fairly overarching umbrella statement of to what extent are we meeting the expectations of our role? Um, well, I'm sure we're gonna get into that, <laughs> but that's where I'd start first. But I think it's really important to start there purely because then you've got a North Star or an overarching sentiment that you can anchor everything toward. 
Nice, thanks. So just to make sure I've understood everything correctly, right? What is performance? It's the individual having an impact that helps the business have an impact. So how do you contribute to your business goals? Another way I've heard it put before is how do you maximize positive impact while minimizing negative impact for the business through, as Lauren said, meeting the expectations in your role, kind of what you applied for in the first place. Um, so you can, in the end, deliver great value to your end consumer. And the way you measure that is both what you do and how you do it. Am I right? Cool. Well, my next question yeah. then is, that's great high level and I'm um, very helpful, but in any company, there's a lot of different roles, right? There's engineers and people teams, there's sales teams and customer success, and, and we can't measure all of their impact in the same way. So how do you know what performance looks like in each role? And I've gone to Ronan first last time, I'll go to Henrik this time. How do you know what performance looks like in each role, Henrik? Yeah, I think, as you said, you, you have different roles in each company, but I think it's helpful to, to create a culture around high performance, that you have some kind of framework, that this is roughly how we work, no matter if you're in a customer role or a software engineering role. And I think it's super important that you articulate it in the writing, what are you trying to achieve? Because um, uh, it's easy to as a team member to assume, well, it's clear in my mind what I want to do, uh, what high performance looks like. And it might be clear in the manager's head, this is what I expect of my team member. But if you don't talk about it and if you don't write it down, there's a, a great risk that you come to the end of the quarter and you look back and it's like, oh, what was it now that I was trying to do? Um, um, so we always look back on the last quarter to uh, at taste.com to make sure that what have you achieved in this particular quarter? Um, and I think it's also important to, to help people learn how these tools work. So you need to train them on how do you have a great one-to-one -one where you can bring up any concerns or flags or anything that you might uh, that might block you in terms of hindering uh, reaching your um, targets. So you need to help people understand how do you have these conversations and how do you have a great uh, review conversation. And not just training the manager, but also training the, the team member uh, so they feel that they can be in charge. And we talk a lot about driving your own development at taste.com. Um, so we want the team members to feel like, well, I can suggest things to my manager if I'm not happy with how things are going or I need a training that I would like to participate in. So it's not just waiting for the manager to, to recommend things. Um, and you mentioned, Marie, uh, career frameworks that you developed at Learnerby, and I think that's, <laughs> oh, Lauren, sorry. Uh, you at Learnerby have uh, created career frameworks. Uh, and I think that's a really, really good um, tool if you have similar roles, um, and because um, that could help people understand uh, what the difference is. I think, I think the last thing I want to mention is performance is contagious. I think it's contagious in a positive way that if you work with people who are high performing, you, it not only helps you to step up and perform, but it also impacts engagement because I personally work in teams where there's been no priority. Uh, high pre performance hasn't been a priority and it doesn't really matter how you do things because well, it's okay anyway. And I think that can, can be a little bit training. So if you bring in great people and you train them really well, that's gonna have a, a ripple effect on other team members and other teams. So you need to think about the holistic picture as well. Nice, thank you. I've seen a lot of nods in Ronan and Lauren. Who would like to go next? I mean, given that we're talking about the career framework, maybe we can delve into that a little bit. I think when we think about what performance looks like in each role i'd echo what Henrik said is that a career framework sometimes is a bit of a misnomer it's like oh it's about progression it's about growth it's about the future what people often forget is that it talks about now is what's expected of your role today first and foremost before you even think about the future but the power that comes with having a career framework is it gives you common language so as Henrik said, if you're a direct report and a manager that have different expectations, you can come back to one commonality and talk about the same thing in the same way. 
Um, and then you can use that to leverage and empower those discussions and enable those conversations like your one-to-ones and looking back at each quarter. Um, when you think about how, how do you know what performance looks like in those roles, it, it does start with a, a more generic framework, I think, like the one that we use at Learnably, which you can you can access publicly, um, because there are some genuine common skills, communication, leadership, um, that is for every single role, for example, and it spans across seniority and every role has those components. But then there's this the bottom part of our career framework is role expertise. And that's where your nuances start to come in. So you know that the capabilities for a people partner is going to be totally different for an engineer. Um, and that's where you can re- really get creative and get those nuances in. And that's how you then know what is expected. If I come back to my original statement of what, um, what are the current expectations of your role? Those are them. <laughs> You've got a language that you can point to to say, that's what we expect of your role and your level today before we think about growth. Um, so I think it's, it's a really important tool. Um, and I think it's the foundation of performance um, when you start to look at this topic. Yeah. Yeah. I heard an a- happy customer of uh, Tails.com a few seconds ago. <laughs> yeah, that's why I had uh, to have a bit of a moving background. I was like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> I would like to add to everything that was said that uh, when we speak about performance, there is no one size fits all, right? So it's really leadership tapping into the business and understanding what my team needs. And that uh, reflects on, for example, engineering. Engineering, it's very clear to know if the team is performing or not by the amount of tickets they are answering, the, uh, how predictable uh, the, the projects are. Um, the same with uh, marketing, how many marketing emails are out, uh, campaigns, we can measure that, sales, sales metrics. So they will have uh, also uh, ability to measure performance. There are some teams that it's more challenging, like uh, communication or HR. Or, so these are more into the softer part of things, uh, stakeholder management, uh, listening to the business, what's going on around the business, how how much impact do you bring? So it's really for each um, each team and each department to say, okay, this is our model for high performance and this is how we measure the people according to that. Nice, thanks. Um, so Henrik, were you gonna add something? Yeah, I was just about to build on what Ronan said, where, which I think is really important to come back to the customer element of can, can you see the customer impact of, uh, of the team? Uh, so if you evaluate the team of, let's say, um, people who are working with customer acquisition and um, the manager says, well, everyone is exceeding expectations, but then you look at the customer number and see, actually, that's not the case, what's coming through. So as a, as a people professional, you need to make sure that you always sort of sense check the manager's evaluation to make sure that it's, is this really what we're seeing? Uh, is this really what the customer is feeling in the end? Um... Thanks. Um, okay, so I'm going to do a little recap, also for myself, because there's been a fair amount of barking in the background. Um, they're not my puppies, but they're very, very cute. So how do we know what performance looks like in different roles was the question. We started... Henrik, you said you need some kind of framework that aligns expectations across all the roles because some capabilities just span across everyone, like how we're expected expected to communicate as a leadership team member, irrespective of what our specialism are. Um, and then, well, and also defining that specialism because that's going to vary between a people person and an engineer. Um, And then from there, once you've got the clarity, you can start measuring impact regularly and reflecting on how you can do better, which is contagious. That's very convenient. And um, impact is going to look differently in context. So you need to have a sense check with the other people in your peer group. Like, are every leader's um, assessing based on similar understanding of what the criteria of the framework are. Does that sound about right? Perfect. Then there's one thing that I'd like to unpick in there though. It's, um, 
you've all mentioned that you need to measure impact regularly. How regularly should we measure performance? Like how often? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. Um, how do you do that? Do you do it uh, once a year, once, uh, once every half a year? Uh, what we do at WeTransfer, we um, use different approaches and different tools. For example, we use OfficeBuy, which is a poll survey that is constantly being sent to the employees and, and getting their feedback about how they feel, how, how they feel the performances, how they feel about uh, being part of the company. And then leadership can, uh, can react, can see, can, 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 can um, answer some of the doubts or concerns they might have. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's one thing. And I'm, I'm talking about also how employees place themselves in the organization because it was mentioned here before the happiness and how complete an employee feels in the company. It's very, very important for to drive high performance. Um, so also uh, besides the metrics, I, uh, besides the office vibe and other metrics uh, like Jira that, uh, that is very helpful for engineers, um, measuring performance uh, is in the uh, cadence of the performance review. It's in one-on-one. -on -one. Um, again, it's really up to the leader of the team or the department to know what's going on. Um, and to take decisions. And, and sometimes it's more on a strategic level. Sometimes it can be in um, addressing one specific individual that might be challenged and it influencing the whole team's performance. Um, so really understanding what's going on and, and uh, filling the ground, as I, as I like to call it. So you have it from a, a quantitative part but also very much into leadership and the connection um, that management and leadership has with the different uh, employees, teams, and departments. So there's, there's continuous feedback. So I'm going to dig a little bit deeper in this before I pass it on. There's continuous feedback, but do you have any specific criteria to assess? Like this is okay performance, this is against expectations, this is exceeding, this is below expectations. Like, how do you sort of align on that? Yeah, so for example, in my role, it's, um, it's challenging to measure with numbers. I mean, I can check how many people spend their learning budget on, <laughs> but is that really will give us the quality uh, information, qualitative information we are seeking for? So, um, yeah, for salespeople, it's very clear how much did you sell. And for, uh, for more uh, supportive roles and uh, employee experience is about creating that engagement. And therefore, my performance review, for example, looks like this. <laughs> because you need to provide a context, right? You need to say, okay, Renan, you perform this way uh, because this is how you, um, you drove that project. And uh, so, so it really depends on the, on the different, uh, the different roles and disciplines. And I don't think that, um, yeah, that, that's, yeah, one size fits all. It's, it's, uh, it's an approach that can be dangerous sometimes if you try to measure, um, success of one team and it doesn't relate to the career framework and the progress, it can create frustrations. And I think it's something that also when measuring high performance, we constantly need to, to be aware, is this the right way to do that? Taste of we consciously actually decided not to share the performance rating with individual team members. Um, uh, despite all my talk about measuring and everything, I think we, we measure the outcomes of the... <laughs> we... we, we we, the team member and the manager sets the goal for the quarter together and review it and talk about it openly about what has worked, what has not worked so much. Um, but uh, when the quarterly review comes up, we don't put a rating on, uh, on team members' performance because I think there is a little bit of a risk that if you say that someone is a three or a four or a five, um, that they remember that rather than what was it that I was supposed to develop and what were my strengths. Uh, 
so I think there's a risk that people leave the room thinking, oh, this is where I'm at, and uh, rather than thinking positively about, wow, I can do all of these things to develop in my role. Um, and I agree what Ronan also talked about with like, how do you compare it teams by teams? So um, we, we always calibrate performance and we try to bring in senior leaders together to, to, to talk about how their teams are performing, even though they're in different teams. So, so you can get that sense of this is how one team leader uh, reviews their um, team members and then compare that with someone else's perspective. Because um, it is, is it, yeah, sorry, go on. Oh, just, I just, I'm so curious about this. Um, so did your, do your managers give it an indicator or a rating, but they just don't share it with their direct report or are there no ratings at all? We do have ratings that we discuss in the senior team um, and quite often managers are involved, but not always. Um, um, so we have ratings, but we don't explicitly share them with a team member uh, as we focus on the conversation and the development areas and the strengths. Uh, so a little bit more fluffy, but it definitely helps people to stay focused on that the career conversation, the development conversation is something to um, to dive deeper into strengths and development areas rather than just getting a rating by the end of it. And do, you, do your people yeah. ever ask for the, for the rating? Sorry, I'm, I'm so curious about this. <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that my manager had given me an indicator of some kind even though I'm super interested in like what I need to do with it I still kind of want to know what it is has the question not come up or is it just like an accepted way of working at Tails? Um, it does come up every now and then and we 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 sometimes share we sometimes don't depending on um, uh, the situation um, it's not a top secret but more as a principle we don't stand in front of the company saying now we're all going to get the ratings and here are the ratings um, but uh, it's not a top secret that we're looking into the room but uh, we want the focus to be on the conversation we want the focus to be on development uh, rather than the rating itself um, and it has been appreciated but I'm sure there are some team members who feel like oh I want to know I want to know <laughs> right. <laughs> I, I would like to add um, with Henrik. I agree. Uh, so, for example, we do have, for we have about six. If we speak about our performance cycle, uh, we have six questions in the performance review, and one is quantitative. So, one to five, how do you rate the entry? But this should be only as a side dish, because, as you say, Henrik, you don't. You don't want anybody to leave the room with the feeling, okay, I'm not doing well, but I don't know what, what, why. I mean, you need to provide context and you need to explain and you need to provide example. And you always need to leave room for improvement. So the employee will leave and say, okay, this, this half a year or quarter, I didn't perform so great. And I understand why and I understand what I need to improve. And that's where learning and development comes in. And this morning I had a conversation with our, a, one of our HR uh, business partners uh, to provide support for people who uh, scored slightly lower in the performance reviews. So at WeTransfer, we do share that number, but uh, the leader of the group provides bigger context so that they know, okay, this is the number I got. What does it mean? in practice let's let's reflect you know a, a few quantitative questions cannot reflect on half a year of work so it's very in 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 today's world we we want to provide more context and we need uh, to do that so um, i think balancing it out uh, is very very important definitely i think i mean this part of our conversation is probably one of my most favorite topics within the performance sphere to talk about because I think there is so much debate about it if I come back to Marie's original question is how often I've worked in companies where there's a three-point scale of, oh no sorry hang on how often um, <laughs> a annual review a biannual review no reviews and now we're actually doing it monthly in Learnably um, I've seen all ends of the scales but one thing that comes through for me in all my experiences 
is recency bias. It is the biggest blocker to accurate performance reflections, which is if you are trying to have an annual performance review and you're trying to think about something that happened in January, I can't remember what I ate for breakfast. So how are you expecting any of your people to think about such an enormous amount of time? And um, Because everything is going to be front-loaded onto the most recent quarter. Um, similarly, if you're doing it biannually, and I'll put my hands up, every single person in Learnably, when we introduced the performance in the framework this year, had to look at half a year's worth of framework just because of the time frame that we were operating in. I can confidently say no one in Learnably wants to do that ever again. <laughs> I do not want to look at a period of six months because it's just such a huge amount of time to be thinking about. And so I th I'm pretty sure I saw someone called Katie in the chat just say the word continuously. That is how often you should be checking in or talking about performance, in my humble opinion. Because if you are talking about just one month, all of a sudden it doesn't feel as big or as heavy or, I don't know, daunting, I guess, than six months or a year to be talking about. My ideal is that it's spoken about every week. And it's like, how has your week gone? What are you most proud of? What could you have done differently? What are you going to do next week? If you're doing that on a weekly basis, just naturally, organically with your line manager, and you're also asking for feedback on the spot rather than this onerous 360 process that can happen every quarter or biannually, even worse, annually, if you're only getting feedback once a year, that makes me want to cry. But if you're doing it on, on the spot, on the all the time, continuously, as Katie in the chat said, it's so much easier to manage. And then the snapshot we do once a month writes itself hopefully and bearing in mind we're on preaching but we're still on the journey because we are a company that hadn't actually talked about performance at all <laughs> the whole time that we've been formed and now all of a sudden we're talking about it every week or every month it's not easy and we are still um bedding it in but I think it's for me as little and often as possible makes it a habit as opposed to something more daunting um but we do share, <laughs> I will say, we do share the indicators with our people because I have experienced where there are no indicators at all in a previous organisation. People make their own, <laughs> is what I realise, is that people will decide for themselves, I'm above expectations or I'm above average. Maybe this conversation that I've had is below average and people will make their own anyway. So why don't we give some common language to that particular topic um but our aim and a part of why we do it this way is so that we can link it to reward because when we did our we did a big listening initiative last year and one of the things that came out was i don't know how my pay is calculated at the end of the year is it just like a finger in the air is it based on manager bias it's like your manager you've got a really good manager and very generous so you're going to get more this year wouldn't it be nicer if you could say Actually, this trend, and um, we're going to talk about how we rate as well. We have one rating for what you do, your capabilities, what's in the career framework, and one rating for how you do it, your behavior, your values. So you have 24 data points rather than one or two for the year, which means that even if you have a really crappy month, which it all happens, we all have a, we all have a shit month, right? Um, it's not going to dramatically impact my earnings for the following year if you do do an annual salary review dramatically and that's the most important thing I think when you even try to link performance with reward because if you are using 24 data points I feel a lot more comfortable that I might have a really crap one as opposed to all of the time effort energy and emphasis that goes on one rating at the end of the year um Sorry, I felt like that went on way longer than I expected. I just felt like I had a lot to say. So <laughs> I'm going to stop now. <laughs> no, so, so, Laurel, I want to, to ask a follow-up question and maybe to challenge it. Go for um, it. When you say we speak about performance monthly, yeah, that's, that's very, uh, very helpful. So every, every check-in, one-on-one uh, with the manager, you definitely should discuss, okay, how projects are going and how do you feel you you're moving along and do you feel that, I don't know if you rank also, if you give a number to each performance review monthly. Okay, you do give a number. Okay. Now, do you think it can be, it can create a counter effect that the employee might feel 
oh yeah, you said I had a bad month or even two bad months or three bad months or four bad months because I was dealing with a, a family circumstances that how do you, you, you how do you see it? You don't feel like it can create a, a bit of anxiety within the employees to feel that they're constantly uh, being um, reviewed and scored on every month? It's, that's a really fantastic challenge. So thank you for asking that. Um, I say with this kind of thing, there's a balance to be struck. For some people, absolutely, there is going to be some level of anxiety of, I'm constantly being assessed. Um, the way that I like to see it is you're constantly being held accountable to the impact you're delivering to the business. And in a startup our size, we're 80 people, every single head counts, every single week counts. So you have to be held accountable to the value that you're bringing to the business and also to yourself, the kind of value that you feel that you are having. Having the opportunity to talk about how that's going. For me, the overarching piece is clarity. At least you know. It's easier, so much easier to know at least how you're doing than you can do something about it. Because in previous lives, not knowing and then finding out after the fact is, why didn't anyone tell me? Why didn't anyone give me an opportunity to change or to improve? Is like the antithesis to that. Because at least with clarity, you can do something with it. You are empowered. You are in the driving seat to make that change happen. Um, and I'll be honest, we're only a few months in. So we haven't had the situation where you are six months of perhaps underperforming ratings. But if that were the case, we probably should be concerned. And if someone is anxious, they probably should be in a way because it's not great to be continuously falling below expectations. So we probably do need to have a wider conversation about what that really means and be honest about it. Um, we live through transparency, um, certainly in this business. And I think it helps to people to know where they stand. Um, so that contributes to it. But your point around... What if you have a personal circumstance that is really impacting your ability to show up? That's where the time piece comes in because you might fall, you might dip, but how long you dip for, every business has a different time frame in mind on how long that's okay for. Um, and so it might be a little bit demotivating to continuously not be where you're supposed to be. But mm. I mean, in my previous lives, I remember at ASOS where um, my auntie um, was very poorly. She had cancer and it rocked my world. And for the first time, I would say I was not performing at my best. And all I could think about was, oh my goodness, I'm not doing well. I'm not, I'm not where I'm supposed to be. But my, my manager at the time gave me plenty of space and time to breathe and to think about it and say like, look, we know you, you can do really great work. We've seen it, you know, we know it's, <laughs> you're possible, you know, you're capable of doing it. You just need a bit of time to get back on track and then we'll help you do that. And and we and I did, right? We bounced back from those things. But if I was underperforming for six months or a year, it hasn't happened. But if it were, I would say, is this the right role for me anymore? Maybe it would make me think more critically about where I am and maybe my tour of duty in that company is over, potentially. Um, so my TLDR is it's a balance. It's a very fine balance. And depending on the company that you are operating in, and the culture that you have, how transparent it is, how honest you can be, how much empathy your leaders have about those circumstances. Um, I would say on the whole, no. So far, it hasn't been that big of a challenge. Um, it might be, but then we would look at that on a case-by-case -case basis, I think, and support that person to, to do something with that information, which is more important. Mm. Nice. I think David in the chat summed it up really well with performance feedback should never come as a surprise. So I think... Whatever you do, how often you have it, uh, I think that's the, that's the key. Um, and then you need to tweak it based on the culture and what works in your company. Um, Absolutely. Uh, that was what I put at the bottom of my recap is we um, go 360 about it. it needs to be a continuous conversation, whether it's through feedback or through multiple touch points. But the important is that it doesn't come as a surprise and we're all aligned on how we're doing. I'm just conscious of time. We've got 15 minutes left together. I had two more questions. I'm going to put them to you and you're going to tell me which one you want to cover first. And then because I'd like to hold at least a good seven minutes for Q&A from the audience. So my two questions were slash are, how do we enable our people to meet expectations how do we enable people to thrive, to be at their full potential? And how do you link performance to rewards? I don't know how you want to prioritize those. I'm, I'm happy I'm not you. Um, I can 
I can maybe go first. Um, sure. In terms of how we enable our people to meet expectations, um, there are a few ways that we can do that. I think it, making sure that your managers are well equipped to have the right level of conversation is super important. And um, we did that at the top of this year to give our all our managers a baseline of knowledge and experience in how to manage your people. Manager 101, <laughs> if you want to call it that. We called it Manager Accelerator. But that is a really key part in enabling others is so that your managers are equipped to do it. The other part, I think, it, I'll come back to actually the Learnably product. It exists to help people upskill and to learn new things and to um, meet their full potential. If, for example, you, I, th- I can't remember what one of you, I'm sorry, said, um, you know, actually, I think it was you, Ronan. You said that someone had come to you and said, oh, you know, th- these people had lower scores and how can we help them to get back on track or help them to meet their full potential? The way that we would start to try and do that here at Learnably is, Let's look at the platform. What resources are out there? What skill is it that maybe you're struggling with? What do you need to upskill in or level up in? And how can we help you or connect you to a resource that is going to help you do that? And then let's figure out how we can put that learning into practice in your job. And let's talk about it every week. That's the beautiful utopia and theory. Um, Manifesting that is quite difficult. It takes a lot of time and effort from multiple people to to enable that in others. Um, I'll leave the, maybe I'll come back to the reward piece. I think that's a separate topic, (laughs) but that's my short and sweet answer for how we enable it. I definitely agree with everything you've said, Lauren. I think I would like to, we talked a lot about performance, uh, but I think you need to be careful also about engagement because if you only dial up performance, if you're only hammering in that message, perform, deliver more, do more, work harder, uh, it's going to be, it's going to come a point where people feel like, well, this is, this is too much or this is this is not a nice culture or so you really need to make sure that both go hand in hand and that you work really consciously with whomever is leading engagement in the organization to make sure that people feel it's fun to work here it's I work on fun stuff it's not just hard stuff Um, um, so I think that's a key key balance between engagement and performance And uh, I will add to that, so create a safe environment. Uh, it needs to feel safe, honest, honest discussions, because usually employees decide to leave and then they tell you why they left. So first create that safe environment to nurture uh, these um, challenging discussions. So it also relates to constant leadership development. And in the last two weeks, we launched our leadership program and a leadership journey uh, with many different leaders across the business first starting to look at the inner self okay who am i as a person and then starting to focus on others i think it's really a, a inside out process um, and really adapting to the person that sits in front of you we're all individuals and some for some people you can say Think bigger and they will just, woo, will be pumped. For others, uh, focusing on existing uh, flows and projects will work better. And it can be also depends on the time of the year and, and other circumstances, as we discussed before. So really connecting with the person in front of you and encourage learning. And that's I also connect to Learnably. So use the resources to So we have learning budgets. We, uh, we nurture the culture of learning development. Uh, we just think, okay, what else new can you learn to, uh, to overcome the gaps you have with competencies? So it's really... Um, it's really a journey uh, together. So it's the individual with the company and the leader in between uh, to enable people to perform to their full potential. Nice. Thank you so much. I love this idea of it comes from the inside out. Um, it's real. Like, you're the performer. You're the person who is performing, right? So you're in the driving seat. And then everyone else around you is a resource, an enabler, a facilitator. Really love that. And then to your point, Henrik, something that um, uh, we haven't shared with everyone internally, but it's not a secret. It's just in the making, right? There is a correlation between most engaged teams and highest performing teams. 
at least with like the baseline survey we just did and our performance data and like yeah i just really wanted to share that um i just do a very quick plug for leapsum because the beauty of leapsum is that you can take your engagement data and your performance data and just mix it together chef kiss is amazing <laughs> leapsum if you're listening we love you um <laughs> And then, okay, we've got 10 minutes left together. Let's try to split that in half because there's some good Q&A from the audience that came through the chat. How do you link performance to reward? Just like Mike dropping that in the middle before we move to Q&A. Yeah, I, th I think if you do what you like, you don't need to work a day in your life. So that saying really much connects to, if you enjoy your job, you will not look for this extra 5% salary increase every time, right? Um, I, I think it's, it's uh, still, um, yeah, it's a flowing process. And I think it's, companies need to be, to again, to evaluate every case by itself, rather than to say every employee gets 1.5% increase if they perform well. I mean, in my previous, one of my previous companies I work for, yeah, I got 2% because that was the protocol. And I'm, you know, after tax, yeah, I can buy a chewing gum with that. But I would prefer better to really enjoy my role, getting that learning tools and resources to enable me to learn further. And let's, yeah, let's reevaluate my performance in, in a year time and see, okay, if I, if I did star and if I did answer the expectation, yeah, let's then have a one-on-one -on -one conversation about it. But uh, I don't believe in these small increments just to nice. I think it should be, again, this individual uh, process of the employee with their, uh, with their uh, leader. I think it's also important to decouple performance conversations from pay conversations. So whenever you step into a development conversation that you don't feel like, well, well what am I salary going to be next, next time for when it's time for salary reviews? So you can once again focus on development and then pay review will, will be linked in some way, but a little bit more indirect, I would say. I believe in directly linking performance to reward. I want to know that if I'm well above average and exceeding expectations that the my reward will reflect that whether it's bonus increase whether it's a perk or whatever it might be i want to know that the better i do the better i'll be rewarded for it i think that's more of a basic motivational theory around reward not everyone's motivated by reward but for those that are you would want to know that if i put more effort in i'm going to get something back um but that's also why the way that we specifically do it is those 24 data points. Um, if on average you're consistently performing better, your reward is going to be better. But I also agree with um, Renan that he said, I don't want to purchase an extra packet of chewing gum with my reward. It has to be meaningful. But also reward and and even if you unpack that, it isn't just a salary increase. Some people might be motivated by extra time off. Some people might prefer like a cash situation to go on holiday you can get creative with reward, which is what I love about it. But my sentiment is the better you do, the better you should be rewarded for it. Nice. Thank you, everyone. Um, with a very short transition, I'm going to move us to Q&A because I'm also conscious of time. There's um, at least two questions I'd like to cover. The first one is a grouping of two questions itself. So we've got people asking about time. They get pushback from um, their leaders, their managers about this is just going to take too much time. First question is, how, how much time does it take to do performance reviews specifically for you, Lauren? Monthly, how long does it take every month? And then the second question on time is, um, I get pushback from line managers that they don't have time to do regular feedback. How can you solve for that? Which I think is more for Ronan. Um, but I'll go to Henrik first. So Henrik, how, how, do you, how do you solve for the time aspect of it? Yeah, it's interesting. Uh, you, 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 can, you can spend 20 minutes, 30 minutes having a review conversation. It doesn't have to be two hours. Uh, and if you take 20 minutes out of, uh, of the last sort of quarter, how much is that as a percentage? And what, what could that conversation lead to? So if you perform better because of that uh, short conversation, uh, but in-depth conversation, then that would lead to better results. So um, 
it's it's very short term thinking to say that it's uh, it's it's a waste of time or it's taking too much time because actually it will lead to greater results in the end. So you need to invest in it because if you don't share that feedback, how will people know what they should change? Um, so it needs to be said and it needs to be said in a in a setting where you can talk openly and you can have that um, um, honest conversation. Yeah, agreed. Thanks. Lauren, I'm sure you must have gotten that pushback. You want to do monthly performance conversations? Have you lost your mind? How did you answer to that? Uh, yeah, I did actually. <laughs> Who asked you? No, sorry, that's not a real question. Um, so we've, we had to iterate on our approach um, because you might remember me saying that I asked people to reflect on six months worth. They wrote War and Peace. They spent hours, if not a couple of days, writing an essay on what they did over six months. And part of the reason why I, no one wants to do that again is because it takes so much time. However, we we approach this by a couple of ways. The, one of the ways is the way that we think one-to-ones could and should run is by answering at least three questions. What are you proud of achieving in the last time since the last time we spoke? What could you have done differently since the last time we spoke? And what, what are your plans? If you ask that every week or you're talking about that every week, writes itself you don't have to actually think about it it's just a summary or a reflection of what you're already talking about hence no surprises you should already be aligned on what that is and it's just a deeper conversation um the other part is our employees do not have to write any commentary if they don't want to um we took that away we said you know what you shouldn't be spending more time writing about the work than doing the work because that was the dangerous territory could, we could have ended up falling in. So you don't have to write anything. We'd encourage you to. We think it's good practice to think and be able to summarise in a few bullet points. We actually say 200 words max, ideally bullet points, and only an hour of your time a month spent on reflecting in writing um, if, you, if you choose to. We do ask everyone to self-indicate though. Um, we've got a four-point scale um, and we say select an indicator for your capabilities, select one for your values. That's the ask. It takes 10 seconds in theory to actually click a couple of buttons to do that. It just gives your manager a heads up on where your head is at so that they can better prepare for their conversation with you. Um, so in theory, now it should take a lot less time than normal. For managers, we think it's a part of your job to think about how your team are doing and to have a good conversation with your people. So I don't think it, it should take too much time moving forward. I think that's a perfect segue for my question to Ronan when you said it's part of what we expect from managers. But um, the question was, how is regular feedback positioned with line managers as someone in the chat gets the pushback that they don't have time? Ronan. And yeah, yeah, we are all very busy uh, professionals, right? So it's um, it's really also sitting down with senior leadership, with HR, and designing together a process that works for the entire company. Uh, because if you create a process that, uh, yeah, HR comes with a process, but it doesn't make sense to our uh, salespeople, yeah, then there will be friction and disagreement. So it's really creating a process and a cadence to that it will work. And it can be once every quarter, once a year, and, and uh, in between smaller uh, performance talks. Um, so like me, uh, learning and development uh, manager, I can think, oh, this is a beautiful solution. It will work. Don't worry about it. But it's not about what I think. <laughs> it's about what the business needs and what the business wants. I enable that. And I can give my opinion from experience and work together to find a perfect solution. But if I do it together with them, then we'll find the perfect solution. If we do it from a corporate level, individual uh, in silos, it will never work. So at WeTransfer, we always try to listen what the business needs. And that's also with tailoring the performance reviews. And we constantly review. Does it work? Do they have enough time? Yes, no. What can we improve for the next time? And we constantly try to update the business. Okay, this didn't work. We'll change that. This worked. We'll keep it. And this is how we actually evolve. And, and we are all constantly striving for the perfect solution but there is no perfect solution mm -hmm. we just it's a journey that we constantly do and um, if we improve then 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 we are uh, yeah then we are hitting the nail in the head 
And if you make it a habit, you get the 1% improvement every day, which means every day it's going to take 1% less time because you're building that muscle as you go as well. Um, so, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. It's 59. So I'm going to ask another question just because it came from uh, Ina, if you don't have a hard stop. Um, but uh, anyone who does have a hard stop, it is now three o'clock. So thank you, everyone, for joining. It's been an absolute pleasure. For anyone who's got another five, you're welcome to stay. That includes you, panelists. You're welcome to leave if you've got a hard stop. Oh, you're not hold hostage. Um, but thank you, everyone, for joining. Um, I'll now move on to the last question uh, from the chat that we'll have a chance to pick up today, which is, uh, what do you think about linking performance reviews directly to development plans? and tracking that for growth, which I've got a very strong opinion about that I'm going to hold back and I'm going to pass on to our panelists. I also have a strong opinion on this. <laughs> yeah, hold back, hold back, as I know we've got that shared opinion. Yeah, I, yeah, I, th I think it's, it can be, if you ask me, it can, for me, it's, it's a natural thing to do because if you use a, a skill mapping, you can see, okay, these are the skills I need for my role. And this is where I am in this circle. And okay, I'm doing great with uh, a consultancy. I am doing great with stakeholder management, but I need to improve on my, um, yeah, my, my technical skills. So definitely performance. Okay, you, you, you are, the performance review is, is there to find out what the gaps are and then act upon it in a growth way so this is your performance now this is what you need to do together and let's review it again in a month time or two months time or half a month time okay how did you do great and then also the question is do you want to grow in that direction and then that can lead to other conversations about yeah how you know how how much do you enjoy um, that particular part in your role so performance is definitely it's the departure point for growth. Nice, thanks, Henrik. What do you think? I def yeah, I definitely agree with Ronan. I think it sits really nicely together. You two might disagree, Marie and Lauren. Who knows? Uh, no, not entirely. Think, not entirely. Not entirely. Okay. Uh, I think it, yeah, it, you need to understand what you should do, and then the how is about how do, how do you make it happen, and then what what skills do you need to learn. So. You could always have them as two separate conversations, but I think it needs to be part of the same, two, two sides of the same coin, so to speak. Mm. Um, for me, I'm curious to understand your perspective. I guess for me, I think the word growth can sometimes be a loaded term. When I hear the word growth, I see it in two ways. I see it in the way that you've both described where there is something that you need to improve in your current role and you, you need to work together to, to make that happen. Absolutely. Growth. Growth also can mean my next role, where I want to go up, down, left, right, sideways. And I I do strongly believe that those two conversations should be separate because you're not then focusing on what you can do better in your current role um, as at today. So the way that I like to think about it, and I always love to use a quantitative example, is a sales development representative who is achieving like 120% on her target and could achieve 150%, that's an improvement in current role. That doesn't mean that she is ready to then do an end-to-end -end sales cycle. That's growth for a new role and there are different skills associated with it. That I think is a more future-focused conversation about something that is not today. Um, so it's just about how you interpret the word growth. Maybe, <laughs> maybe the sales development representative's goal is to open a coffee shop, in which case growth is learning how to make mockers. So the, what I see as the, the difference between what you've all talked about is one entry point is performance. And then we talk about how can we enable you to thrive in your role. And of course, you can grow from that if you're like aligned with what you're currently doing in your role. But that's more of a business driven conversation. And then there is what is it what is it that you want to do next and whatever that might be maybe it's not directly fueled by performing in your current role so how can you 
drive that conversation to make whatever you need to happen happen for wherever it is you want to go because I, yeah. I often find they're not always linked what if i want to be an engineer i don't my husband is but say i did um how well i'm doing in my current role has got nothing to do with my ambition to go into this next space and actually i might not be doing so well in my current role and i don't want my ambitions to be an engineer to be distracting for my manager to be able to talk to me honestly about how i'm doing today mm. so that's why i personally believe yeah. that future and today should be separate conversations on the whole, yeah. on the whole. <laughs> and and i will add to that that indeed if somebody is is in a sales position but they want to become an engineer Yes, then something might not work there. They might not be motivated. But then the organization from a corporate level can come and say, okay, let's find a solution. We need you as a salesperson, but you want to become an engineer. How, come, uh, how about taking 20% of your time, spending it in an internship with the engineering team and upskilling, learning a new coding language together with them? And 80%, you have focused on your role. And I think that's where, it, where, that's where the sweet spot takes place that, oh, okay, okay. So the organization understands my, my, my growth needs. At the same time, they need my skills in sales. So I can do skill, uh, sales and I can enjoy the umbrella of the organization. 20%, I can tap into the engineers and I can learn more. And by that, we don't lose a good performing employee if that's the case so i think there are that's where um, yeah we can be creative about about bringing these two two paradigms together the individual and the and the corporate level nice thank you so much i love that as a final sort of closing statement um but for anyone who wants more and to keep following you everywhere you go but virtually uh where can they <laughs> connect with you do you want to drop your LinkedIn's in the chat? Um, our marketing team from Learnably is also going to follow up with um, resources, profiles, the recording of this um, and other goodies. But for anyone who's still live and who kindly stayed another six minutes, um, pop how they can reach you and follow you in the chat. And thank you again, everyone, for joining. I hope that's been a helpful and insightful conversation. Um, have a wonderful rest of your Thursday. And I'm going to end the event now. Bye. Thank you very much, everybody. What a fantastic session. And a huge thank you to such an incredible lineup of guest panel speakers for sparking inspiration with us today. We truly hope this session has given you food for thought on laying the foundations for your people to perform at their best. Thanks for tuning in. Tell us your thoughts by tagging us at Learnably on social media and using the hashtag LearnablyLive. Don't forget to follow us to be the first to hear all the future insights on L&D and the trends transforming the business world today. Please do share this episode with your team, network and friends so they can benefit from the insights you've heard. Finally, Keep an eye out for the next episodes so that we can continue to spark inspiration.